Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 5 of The Fighting Goat. My name is Arjun aka Mystic Chipalkati. I'm joined by my buddy, my partner, mera dost, mera yaar and most importantly, one of the most fiery critics in the sport, Mr. Sumesh, the superhuman camera. Are you doing, buddy? That's a very lengthy but a beautiful <laughs> introduction. Thank you so much, Chips. You know, I'm so excited to be here. Episode five. I never thought we would make it this far. We thought we <laughs> thought IVM. Yeah, we thought I. You know, IVM would kick us out before that. But no, no, no. Uh, you know, <laughs> you think you know, things have gone well. Situations are great, and I'm so except happy to share the desk with you. Except in this market, yeah. I mean, except in this in the city, yeah. Please, everybody, please stay safe, stay at home. Please take care of yourselves. Coronavirus is on the rise. Bombay has is is competing with the world. Actually, not even competing. We are leading. I think this the cases are going crazy. So please stay at home and only listen to IBM podcasts on ibmpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely yes. In fact, you know the beauty of it, the digital world is that you know I can sit in one part of the world. You can sit in the other part of the world. you know the studio can be in a third part of the world all together hmm. and we can still do this isn't it exciting yeah it is i think our football should ball hosts the our buddies from the other show they sit in different parts of the world right right, right. Abs- absolutely and they still pull out great content so man yeah, kudos to them you know it's great it's great except to be doing except this except there uh, the footballers are uh, you know the football fans their fans are nothing compared to our fans you know is our fans if when when uh, <coughs> when uh, when um, when cristiano ronaldo or messi fall down they come running with tissues and hankies to take care of their crocodile tears <laughs> but where our fans when one of our guys loses shit they destroy him man i mean what happened to poor poor stepe people oh, making jokes he got oh, brutally man. knocked out and he fell down backwards twisting his knee and people are making game of thrones bend the knee means you know, i mean <laughs> you know you know in fact it's so funny because people are comparing his uh, knockout his his brutal knockout mm-hmm. to krokop's knockout and it's oh, yeah. so you know it's so it's so funny that both the croatians have got knocked out in a way where after their brutal knockout instead of sympathizing people are making memes on them yeah man i mean i told you, you know worse than mma fans are worse than manchester united fans <laughs> and if you football football boys have something to say about it please hit us back <laughs> tag us on the fighting goat on a heavy podcast.com <laughs> arjun let's kick off yes, the first yes, round sir. the week of that the IVM. was absolutely the week that was and let's hit it up with ufc 260 how did it go of course there was a cancellation of the co-main event but Sad man was, yeah. what an event it started off card you know nothing went to the decision except for the women's fight they were all finishes it just i mean you know when was the last time that we had a card where there were so many finishes i think it was a couple of fights ago it was a fight night where we literally saw first round second round finishes but no right. I, not all finishes no maybe one decision but that was in the undercard that too but the kind of fights that we right. had this weekend i mean we we started off we bet on three fights but we'll give you the highlights i mean we saw sugar shawn o'malley take on thomas almeida who is a super veteran in his right and right. put on literally a beautiful clinic well what we call he put on the sugar show <laughs> yeah <laughs> you you're his biggest fan no somesh <laughs> well uh see you know there's an advantage of being a fan and being a critic because honestly you know I can just hang on the fence I can love when I want and I can mm. hate when I want 
ऑस्ट्रेलियन जेमी मोलारके you know it was it was the first round in 46 seconds that he, he was, got put away it was incredible the way he came in with that beautiful left hook you know uh, had him do the stank dance in the middle of the octagon and uh, that right hand on the ground that put him away was so well timed so economical you know but in fact that gets me because uh, you know i know i know khama wadi personally and i've seen him on the pre prelims you know like the early prelims i have seen him on the prelim card and this man has been actually demolishing all his opponents that's true and you know suddenly when the lights come on and he's on the main pay per view you know which is obviously headlined by francis stepe you know it had alexander volkanovski and brian ortega which obviously didn't happen but it was supposed to be on that card you know what what really happens when you get on the bigger stage of the biggest platform and you get knocked out in 46 seconds of the first round i mean you know is it is it butterflies in the stomach is it just bad luck or is he not ready for this i i don't know you know it's it's hard to say because there are a lot of things that are going on during the fighter's mind and and uh, like we met we've spoken to fighters you know who have told us guys like mohammad farad who was on our show a couple of episodes back guys if you've not seen that then that was a great one go check it out only on uh, ivmpodcast.com but that's a very interesting thing so much it's not easy you know and you don't know what was going through his mind maybe he didn't have the best training camp or maybe he was just caught you know sometimes the greatest in the world can also get caught so maybe he just got caught it was one right. punch that got him hurt second one finished him off it's it's not like he was beaten over a period of time you know he wasn't being embarrassed or anything right. he just got caught but speaking of you know who didn't get caught shawn o'malley shawn o'malley went ahead and did his business right I got to give it to Almeida though. What a chin on the guy in that first round where it looked like he was almost going to get knocked out. Oh man. It was it was unbelievable how he survived. Uh honestly I feel that was uh, a lapse on Sean O'Malley's part because he thought he had knocked him out and the referee would step in at the end of round 1. Agreed. But you know he I mean come on you know let's be honest he could have finished that but maybe ego took over you know he thought he was the heavyweight mark hunt power kind of guy <laughs> and you know he thought the referee would step in but that didn't happen and yeah you know so i think thomas almeida got a what we call you know spruce of life out there but you know it was it was quite funny because thomas almeida being the veteran that he is hmm. if you know even though he got knocked down by shawn o'malley his eyes were absolutely fine you know it didn't roll back Correct. you know his head position was perfect it didn't seem he was hurt he came back to his feet and it seemed he was ready to go yeah you know maybe he was a little shaky but it did not seem that he was hurt you know shawn o'malley definitely has done a great job you know he ended the fight in the third round thomas almeida had kind of had enough this 3 minutes 52 seconds of round number 3 but i feel that first round was so dominating that It thomas was. almeida you know thomas almeida knew that he signed up for something which is a little out of his league and i felt we saw the old shawn o'malley back i was so happy to see him because yeah. you know it's not it's not uh, you know the 
guy who's but, out there. No, but Sumesh, you know, what we saw in that round one, when he, you know, he stepped back and he thought the fight was going to get waved off. He got a little lucky because we've seen devastating things happen to fighters who have done something like that in the past. And if right. somebody, if, you know, if, okay, no knock on Almeida, but imagine him fighting a top five and him doing that. He could have very well made him pay for it. He would have paid for that mistake. And then he would have kicked himself oh, even absolutely more. absolutely, yes. Even more so. Because its fighters have absolutely, lost yes. on the brink of victory in the past. It's, it's crazy, but he's so talented. He's so crafty. He's so exciting. He'll certainly be, he's already a draw. So, you know, it's just these small things, I think that he needs to change. But his post-fight speech was, was so good. He was humble. He gave all props to his opponent. And maybe we might be seeing a change from now on. Maybe. Well, absolutely, yes. Because that Marlon Vera loss that, you know, that Sean O'Malley suffered. I think yeah. a, a fighter who has the correct mindset would learn from that and come back in a strong mm-hmm. way. However, you know, saying that, I think Thomas Almeida, poor chap, man, four-fight losing streak. Yeah, he, You know, he has lost to Jimmy Rivera in 2017, then Rob Font 2018, Jonathan Martinez 2020, and now Sean O'Malley 2021, which means his last win was in 2016. That's crazy. He's been losing for four consecutive years. You Arjun, know, do, you, do, you, do you think sad. he's going to stick around? I, I don't know. You know, the UFC is in the process of remodeling, reshuffling. They've got 900 fighters. Yes. They need to trim the fat a little bit. And they're already culling fighters. Fighters like Junior Dos Santos, Alistair Overeem, who are legends, who would normally right. never get cut, have been released. Right. And and, right. and speaking of speaking of cut, we move on to our, you know, our next one where we saw Tyron Woodley, the former welterweight champion, former dominant oh, welterweight champion. He's dropped a few in his last... Fight and and it was a great exciting fight against Vicente Luque. Luque, I gotta say, Sumesh right. is a superstar on the rise. Superstar. Oh man, oh man, this this guy, oh man. You know, people who have not seen this need to tune in to Sony Ten Two or Sony Ten Three, and please have a look at the co-main event, Vicente Luque versus Tyron Woodley. And speaking of getting cut, Arjun, by the way, Tyron Woodley's contract has not been renewed. Oh really? By the UFC. So yes, yes that's see, that's so, what I mean. He's already, you know, he's dropped three and now this is his fourth as well. Yes, so he's lost, even he has lost four fights in a row. And this was the last fight on his contract. And apparently what I got to know, they are in no position to even renegotiate or even get him on, which means Shit. he's a free agent now. Yeah, yeah, you know, but I think, you know, he, he might do what... Uh, he might do what a lot of other guys have done. You know, it's uh, especially Anthony Pettis, whose contract was not uh, being renegotiated. But he went out on a win. And you know, that allows you to right. negotiate a certain amount, a certain price. He went out on top. So, and I don't, so I don't know. I don't know, you know, how many promotions are going to be. Of course, Tyron Woodley is still a draw. Yes. But I think something has changed, you know, in him since, uh, since the last few years. He's just he's right, become very right. gun shy. He's not able to pull the trigger. And you saw how he came out against Luke. He came out looking to make a point. He ran up to him and cracked him with a big right hand. But Luke, right. the crafty fighter that he is, took his time. And you saw every shot that Tyron Woodley threw at Luke. Luke was okay. He was never hurt. But the first shot right. that Luke landed on Woodley, man, oh, had man. him rocked that, so badly. That, that just changed the ball game. And you know what? Honestly, the viewers need to know. That honestly, 
after that loss to Salman Khan, Tyrone Woodley has not remained the same. Is <laughs> the is the curse of Salman Khan, man? Is the curse of Salman Khan? But you know that's so interesting. We'll talk about we we'll talk more about Bollywood and Salman Khan in the main event. But 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 the thing is that you know if you don't, if you've never been hurt or never been knocked out, no, or knocked down, that when you get hurt badly, you know, it's like being in an earthquake. You lose your legs underneath you. you yes. Your vision gets a little blurry from the edges. You start seeing black on the sides. Your equilibrium is gone. If you, especially if you hit around the ear, and it is a horrible place to be. And Tyron, you know, my heart goes out to him. He hung in there, but Luke is just too much of a shark. And when he smelled blood yeah. in that water, he he had to go for it. You know, uh, you know. Sometimes what happens is, uh, I personally feel, you know, that I have seen this in a lot of fighters. Sometimes. Mm. you just lose that drive you know you know yeah. i just cannot understand you know someone who has beaten kelvin gaslim robby lawler stephen thompson damian maya darren till you know and that these, to finished finished them huh finished them the, these are the guys that you know tyron woodley has finished and after that he came out you know with uh, usman that he lost then gilbert burns then covington and now vicente luque you know and Did i you say vicente luque It sounded like Vijender Luke. Oh, bale bale. We do give all international fighters Indian names. I mean, who who fought last time? Rakesh versus Santosh yes. was there, right? And uh, I think it was uh, Amandeep Amandeep took on Meghna. Amandeep and Meghna. Meghna and this one becomes Meghna. You know, this is you know this is you know this this is the reason why the MMA fans are so horrible. You know, you know what? Like we are not fans anymore. We gonna we gonna stop doing this. So yeah, you know. If I look at the level of competition from Usman to Burns to Covington to you know to Luke, that's a murderer's row. Murderer's you know, row. I personally feel the UFC are trying to give Woodley a chance to recover because the level of competition is going lower and lower and lower. You know, so you know, so if you see the Usman fight, it went to a decision. Uh, Gilbert Burns fight went to a decision. The Covington fight got over yeah. in round five, and Correct. this one got over in round one. So. You know, this just makes me believe that Woodley is on his way down. I don't think he has a drive anymore. It typically happened when Ronda Rousey lost to Holly Holm the first time. No, I, I wouldn't know. You I know. don't know. So that was not drive. I think it was a. It was a function of she came back motivated. She came back motivated to take on Amanda. Only oh, the man, but, only the but thing that is that was that oh, was man, brutal. You know. But I think it's just the fact that you know it's it is the oldest story in sports. Every generation has to be beaten by the next one. It is the oldest story, and yeah. So in you know, MMA, the page I, I turns so quickly. In MMA, the page turns so quickly. One night, you are the greatest of all time, and then the next, the next lion comes and takes over. You know, but don't you think you know sometimes the comeback has to be stronger than the setback? Don't you think that that is yeah. something that you know a fighter or an athlete needs to learn from? Like for example, you know, let's let's look at Sugar, uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley. Lost in a mad fashion, in a brutal yeah, fashion, with that was leg numb. kick. You know, you know, Chito Vera actually gave him the medicine of pain, is what mm. we say. But you know, in his mind, he never lost. So when he came back, he was a completely different fighter. Yeah, but you know, one an argument can be made for Sugar Sean O'Malley is that he's still not. You know, a lot of lot of purists will say that he's not faced top ten competition yet. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Him. You want to see him put up against a style makes fight wrestler. You want to put him up against uh, you a grappler who knows how to strike. So it's well, it, it man, all changes. You know, 
Are you are you hinting? Are you hinting at uh, Cody Garbrandt versus Sugar Sean O'Malley? Oh, <laughs> Cody Garbrandt versus you know what? What? Why don't we just throw T.J. in there? <laughs> Sand Hagen, man. Yeah, well, you know, but Sand Hagen and T.J. right now are like you know just like they're fighting they're, themselves. They're, they're up there, you know. They're up there. But you know, you know, we've got to, we got to, that was a great fight, and I can't wait to see more of Vincent and Luke. But we got to move on now to what was. The one of the greatest heavyweight fights, one of the greatest stories. It's literally a rags to riches story for the contender, uh, Francis Ngannou. They call him the predator, one of the most dangerous heavyweight fighters in the world. And yes, he was taking on one of the most resilient and longest reigning heavyweight champion in history, Stipe Miocic. And it was Cinderella man's story. The way he came back, he had lost to him a couple of years ago. Made the changes, and let, there's nothing to say. You know, you just watch the fight. It is incredible. Well, what you said right now, Arjun, was absolutely so perfect because the rags to riches story is an ideal scenario if you speak of someone like Francis Ngannou. You know, yeah. like you know, one, you know. So he basically was a refugee from Cameroon that went to Morocco, then to France. You know, he started fighting in France. Uh, sleeping on the you know, floor of gyms and had odd bus jobs. stop, bus stop. stop. Was, yeah, you know, he was at a bus stop, and you know, he went to a gym and you know, he was mopping the floor and you know, so he, you know, he did everything he could, you know, within his limitations. He did all that it could, and you know, even after he lost versus Stipe the first time, he was, I mean, he, he just was shaken. He just, you could see that, you know, against we saw him take on Derek Lewis. And he was right. a little shaken because you know maybe it was they were both respectful of each other's power, because both of them are animals. They hit as hard as you know trucks moving towards you, and maybe he was shaken by that. But it's what you keep saying, Somesh. It's that generation of fighter that has suffered. Yes. He's not an athlete. Yes, he is a fighter. Yes, blood through bones. You know, uh, in fact, in the green room uh, before getting on the Ultimate Guide to UFC, we had spoken about the fact that. how suffering can make you a good fighter how suffering can oh. actually take you up there and francis ngannou i personally felt in the first fight versus tpe when he lost i think he was disappointed at the fact that there were so many media commitments Correct. and there was so much of you know unnecessary flamboyant exposure that was going Correct. on there he <clears throat> seemed more disappointed than hurt you know yeah. the the lost in you know the lost in hurt him as much as the fact that you know he could have trained more and he may have you know had more time in the gym maybe with his coaches to actually you know prepare a strategy and work more on the fight than True. these uh, in like than these commitments however after that you know like after the derek lewis fight honestly you know he had four huge knockouts i think his last four fights before stepe he ended i guess in lesser than two and a half minutes about 3 minutes 40, or something yeah minutes, you know 2 yeah. 2 two, two <clears throat> minutes 47 seconds is when he finished off his four fights huh and we spoke about it it may be a disadvantage to him because stepe may drag him exactly. into you know exactly. into deeper waters you know may test his cardio may gas him out like the first time but honestly mm. it was a completely 180 it was it was it was it was and you know when you you know you look at some fighters and there are you know you, he is the definition of a gentle giant he's got the sweetest voice he is on our show we uh, one of our colleagues from the uh, from the ultimate guide to ufc so this as they did an interview with him and uh, he is a fan of disco dancer 
Even he sung it. I am a disco dancer, and I'm like, Sala, how did he? And and he said, you know, we had to walk. We had to walk uh, one one hour, or or two two hours to go to the theater to watch movies. I said, yeah. you walk two hours to the theater and you watch disco dancer, and that just shows. I said, someone get this guy a contract in Bollywood today. Today, Salman, where you at? <laughs> Well, you know, once once somebody loses to Salman, I think their career falls from there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, you're no. gonna get us in hot water. <laughs> Salman's gonna come outside and destroy our careers. Then, <laughs> you see, you know, what? you cannot lose to Salman Khan, beat in Dabang or Sultan or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, because the moment you lose to Salman, then you know the poor Woodley, yeah, yeah, poor Woodley. You know that. You know the thing of you know, I mean. The thing of being human just goes out of the window because he's yeah. not human anymore. You know, you know, Salman really beats you up there, <laughs> and uh, you know, he, you know, he literally pulls his strings all the way up to the UFC. True, man. But uh, my props to Francis Ngannou. He's a champion. He's going to be a great champion for a long time, unless we see him go up against the former undefeated goat in John Jones, which the UFC machinery is pushing so so hard now. But you don't know. You don't know what happens. To be honest, one day the boss says that you are going to be the next contender. The other day he says you might be scared of him. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, man. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, like things, things, things can change overnight in the UFC. But yeah, uh, Arjun, like, who would you like to see Francis Ngannou go against? Like, if, like, if you were, if you were Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard, uh. You know, and you had to put your matchmaking cap on. Then, hmm. who would you put Francis Ngannou for his next fight? Because honestly, he didn't do too much damage in this one. And I personally feel, in about three months, he may be ready to defend that belt. Correct. Maybe he could be on the corner card in July. And uh, uh, I think you know, honestly, um, the only man knocking on the door was uh, Derek Lewis. He just knocked the life out of uh, Curtis Blades, and right. he is the clear-cut number one contender. Unless John Jones jumps the line, or you know, I think Stipe is not going to come back for at least a few months. So I think uh, Nagano can def- defend his belt against the one man who beat him. Even though it was the most lackluster and lowest action ever heavyweight fight in the history of heavyweight divisions anywhere, but right. I think he should take on that one man who beat him. What do you think? Well, I think Derek Lewis is a perfect contender for this. Because it will be these two beasts who actually don't like grappling and wrestling, just going yeah. at it. And when, you know, when was the last time we had one of these champions who was just going at it in the heavyweight division? Because you know, when we had uh, you know great fighters like Cain Velasquez, you know, they were more of the wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, you know, DC, you know, was a wrestler that was looking to strike. But man, if it's Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou, how would that go down? It would be, it would be epic, 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 epic. But I cannot wait. You know what? Luckily, we are not the UFC matchmakers. Those guys will decide what's the next course of action for Francis Nagano, who is the new heavyweight champion of the world. Congratulations, my brother! But now we move on and talk about the business of the promotion. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back after a quick commercial break for round two of the Fighting Goat. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fighting Goat. You're talking to Arjun Mystic Chips and the Superhuman Somesh Kamra. Somesh man, 
What a first, what a weekend of fights we had. But now we've got to talk about something that is a little more. That is actually a very important part of fighting. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of fans don't think about it. A lot of people overlook it. But the promotion part, promoters have such an important job in fighting. In the, in the, from back in the day in boxing to, uh, you know, Don King who embezzled money of fighters to, uh, to, guys like, to guys like Dana and Scott Coker and Ken Pavia and all these guys who help promote the business of MMA. It's, it's such an interesting world. And how important is it in, in our current sport right now? Without promotion, right. MMA would not be where it is today. Well, you know, Arjun, that is such a valid point. I mean, you know, it is it is something which I've been itching to talk for a very long time. And the Fighting Goat is the only platform where I can say this because it's a very transparent, independent organization. You know, we are not contractually bound by any, you know, that yes, no's, you can do this, cannot do this, hmm. you know, stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, in fact, there was a time I, you know, I believe boxing started to peak Pretty much when bodybuilding started to peak in the 1970s, 80s, you know, when we started seeing the flamboyance of boxing come out. Hmm. It was the end of boxing was sometime maybe in the in, you know, in the 1990s, because that is when there was a monopoly of Don King controlling almost everything. He was he also was, very corrupt. So much. Very know, corrupt. It was, I mean... Imagine a fighter like Mike Tyson that has made so much money going bankrupt. You know, I mean, we know where did where did that money go? That money, where did that money go? See, that's the thing. It's you know, it's promoters back then. Promoters were managers as well. Like how Dana was when he was promoting uh, uh, in Chuck Liddell and Rampage yeah. Jackson from the US to go fight in Pride in Japan. Yeah, he and was Tito. promoting them as well. <laughs> and Tito as well. And he was promoting them and managing them. Of course, the sport has changed. Uh, Dana White is the president of the UFC. And yeah. fighters have their own managers. You've got so many guys like... I think one of the most famous managers are now Abdul, uh, Ali Abdul Aziz. He's right. one of the most famous managers. And who's, uh, who's uh, Conor McGregor's manager? I, I think it's... Is it Audiatar. Audiatar. Correct. And there are so many... The, the, you know, but before we get to the modern day management and promotion part... I think it's, uh, you know, compared to the Don King era where there was so much of embezzlement and stuff. And fighters back then were fighters. They were never businessmen. They never right. knew what needed to be done. They just right. were happy looking at fast cars and women and lavish homes and to get out of that poverty. Right, right. And, you know, and, you know, and I, I personally believe that the fighting era in the 70s and 80s was, you know, was more of... You know, like the Hindi movies of today, you know, where you, you know, like pick up this small kid from the coal mines and, you know, treat him like a son and, yeah. you know, bring him up, you know, yeah. and he's, you know, he's kind of, you know, he has that obligation towards you to kind of you know, listen to whatever you're saying. Right. But, uh, and that was exactly when the boxing promoters started taking advantage of these fighters and they started swindling money off them. Yeah, true. You know, Dana clearly said he's not going to get into boxing because of the corruption. It's, you know, it's not just the promoters that were, you know, that were, that may have been corrupt. It was also the time, you know, the mafia was so involved yes. in, in, in boxing and people, fighters were told to take a dive and, you know, lose in XYZ round so that they could make so much money of the bookies or their right. family would be put at gunpoint. And it was such a dirty business. So I think promoters have such a huge responsibility, you know, it's to not only popularize the fight, promote it. 
to also keep the business end of it clean. But you know, a lot of arguments could have been made when the UFC was owned by the Fertitas. I mean, the yeah. Fertitas are, you could call them in a way, they were, they were, I would never use the word shady, but I would say that when you run a casino, well, it's not the, it's not the most transparent business in the world. It's not the cleanest business in the world. Correct. You know? Yeah, it's not the most transparent business in the world. And whatever their dealings might be, they may might have been their dealings. But in terms of keeping the UFC clean, they really did a good job. Because Dana and the Fertitas, there never was a moment that you would ever think that, oh shit, you know, this guy is taking a dive. Or that fight right. was fixed. Right. Ever. right. Ever. Very true. Very not true. until today even. You know, in fact, when you have some of the biggest promotions in the world that are actually competing to showcase the fact that they have the best fighters I think that puts the sport in such a positive light because people are looking to do good work you know uh, you know organizations like one championship organizations like brave m1 yeah. global bellator ufc these guys are the ones who are actually competing amongst themselves yes but but yeah, the com- but the competition is not about who's making more money but the competition is who's got the better fighters and obviously you know when you play on the fact that you want the better fighter, that is when you start building the best matchups. True. Uh, but in, you know, in when you talk about uh, promoting and promotions, nobody right now can touch the UFC. Nobody. Oh, no ways. No the, ways. You know, 1FC is a huge organization. 1FC has, uh, and self and admitted even by the president of the UFC, he knows, he recognizes the hold that 1FC has over Asia. Asia is a humongous market. Tomorrow, right. when one FC, of course, is still, you know, it's growing slowly. The frequency of events is one event per every 10 events of the UFC. And it's right. even more, maybe 15 events. And But the way they're going about the promotion level is on par, I would say. The UFC is just, has got, has got uh, the advantage of being now corporately funded. They've got right. a lot of money. They've got great deals. They've got great sponsorships. They're going to be starting their apparel sponsorship with Venom now. And right. it's I would say this is such an integral aspect of a promoter's job also. Look at what he's done with not only just his roster, his clients, his, his the business aspect, everything. And Dana's, Dana's face is everywhere. Now, Somesh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when the, when the UFC was bought over for a value of, I think, $4 billion, yeah, it was with the clause that Dana White has to stay on board as the president, wasn't it? Right? Uh, uh well, I do not know the nitty-gritties, but I know for a fact that uh, when WME, uh, sorry, yeah, when WME IMG bought uh, the UFC from the Fertitta brothers hmm. uh, in I think 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, 2016. You know, oh, that, uh, was, that, time. that is when they said that they're going to retain Dana uh, for I guess five years. You know, and I guess it was just a few months back when they extended his contract for another five years. Oh, he's but, going to be extended till his natural born life. Dana White is going to be the the face of the business till he's dead. But, you know, in fact, Dana has been very vocal about this, saying that, you know, he cannot keep doing this for the rest of his life. And I have never heard him say that, you know, I have never heard him <laughs> say that, but he was very vocal about the fact where he said I'm not going to be doing this for the rest of my life and uh, he and Lorenzo Fertitta had launched a company called Zufa Boxing yeah. uh, in the year 2017 or 18 
with yeah. the you know with the intention to you know get into the boxing thing and once he got into it that's when he said you know i'm sorry but this is too dirty for me and it's going to take a lot of money to clean up so <laughs> yeah. i'm out of this <laughs> wasn't that around the time when uh, when corner was being promoted under that banner against uh, floyd mayweather i think it was right right around that time well yes yes when dana and- was with him and uh, in fact uh, you know if the if if the listeners here do not know uh, it was it was uh, anthony joshua who had met with uh, lorenzo fortita and dana white and mm. his contractual amount that was offered was 500 million dollars holy f- that's that's half a billion dollars uh, that's a little less than what you make no somesh Uh yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Because I'm around the I'm around the 5 600 mil mark but it's more like 5 600 million paise. <laughs> uh well it's you know it's more of you know, I take 5 600 million paise also chalega. <laughs> Here you go aapka check 500 million paise. <laughs> I'll take that also, yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, so uh, so the so uh, like so the contractual amount that was uh, presented to Anthony Joshua was half billion dollars, and he uh, and he refused it. I, you know, but the you thing know, is that you know, he refused in boxing. <laughs> no, but how how long was the term? We don't know the deal. It could I be think five, it was years. five years. Yeah, I think it was five years. No, I mean, if somebody like Mayweather can make three hundred million in a night. and anthony might be making about 100 million per fight so if he fights you know it it depends so getting 500 million for 5 years could certainly beat he could fight twice a year and make 200 million you know well well but you know but i believe the terms were quite lucrative because this was just his signing amount uh the rest of the perks were additional okay not counting sponsorship bonuses no nothing of that sort endorsement deal nothing of that sort it was just the first 500 mil that you're going to be with us for 5 years ha huh. but, but so, you know till we get our hands on those contracts one could never know but i but they dena's right you know promoting in in boxing and promoting versus in mma mma is far younger a sport i mean mma as a sport is only 20 years old 20 right. 25 years old max right. max max and boxing has been around for over 50 about 70 years now right right so i mean, what know. i mean is televised boxing has been on for around 100 years now but right overall the sport is so much older so much older right right and and, and i guess because because of that i believe uh, boxing never had a genuine promoter that could take it to the next level you know if i if i if i even pull up you know the boxing promoters who have been there you know someone like a bob orum like a eddie hearn like a frank yeah. warren yeah. you know you know the, these guys didn't have good reputations with them you know they were guys who were always associated with some mafia the mob man you know uh, these guys played dirty games with the promoters they played dirty games with the boxers and honestly the result is in front of us you know i mean how many Very true. How, you know how many good boxing fights to be have off late you know we've got you know we've got floyd that's going you know uh, uh, no versus, we've got versus, some great boxing matches coming up we've got we've got uh, tyson fury taking on deonte wilder right uh, right we've got uh, we've got anthony oh, joshua no, sorry uh, tyson fury tyson taking fury, on anthony joshua yes yes and that's Andy happening Ruiz in july Jr. taking on deonte wilder well yeah but yeah. you know see these are all the heavyweight guys and there are probably five heavyweight guys that exists in the world today and they're just kind of fighting amongst themselves uh if i go to mm-hmm. a category below that i think the only one that is relevant is someone like a floyd mayweather 
who is honestly I, no you could say super middleweight is, is is controlled by canelo alvarez yeah oh yes i mean that's yes, a big yeah, category yeah, he's yeah. got you got uh, amir khan somewhere in the rankings and there are there are a lot of good guys there yes but i get your point nowhere near the stacked divisions of mme nowhere near. right right nowhere you know, near you know in fact even if i even if i see bellator even a bellator mm. i feel you know has so many good fighters that they can put up a great show every alternate week you know i'm not saying you need to be like a ufc True. and put up banging fights every single week but i mean come maybe, on 900 fighters man oh yeah you know but they <laughs> you know you know they want to cut it down to about 700 so they are on that spree of you know shedding the fat in maybe about 200 fighters are going to receive the pink slip and we are already mm. seeing that happening you know we saw we saw we saw alistair overeem get cut we saw jds get cut now tyrant woodley's uh, you know contract is not been renewed most likely Thomas Almeida uh, is also probably most likely going to get cut. I think it's already done. I I think it's already done. You know, so they have clearly told them that we're know, not we're not looking to renew the contract. But you know, I think sometimes they've made a mistake also because letting go of guys like Gegard Mousasi, uh, Anthony Pettis, uh, Rory McDonald, Leoto Machida, those are top tier fighters. Top uh, top but, tier fighters. But you know, uh, Arjun, what happens is the moment a UFC fighter's contract gets over, you know, like say for example, he's making seventy five thousand dollars, you know, uh, just to show, you know, and another seventy five thousand dollars to win. Suppose I'm just saying that hmm. a a guy like a Gegard Mousasi or a Leoto Machida will automatically command a price that is thirty percent more that a PFL and Bellator would willingly pay. So you know what you know like what It's happens are you know after a fighter is maybe in his mid thirties who's who's like kind of past his prime but on his way down, another organization like Bellator could just pick that up say listen you know we have the funding we need to kind of boost our you know uh uh uh, uh pay per view numbers or True. you know it, you know uh uh, uh uh it could be uh, marketing and mm. uh you know. Why don't why don't we get you know why don't we get a Gegard Mousasi why don't we get like a Leoto Machida and the and 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 these guys with the kind of marketing they get with the UFC they are known faces so yeah in absolutely fact, you know being in the UFC is more of a win win situation for them because they as individual guys are getting the marketing like they have never got earlier now you know imagine someone like a Francis Ngannou you know a Francis Ngannou's yeah, contract. Yeah. maybe about 100 125000 you know to show up and another 100 125000 to win but if he moves his boat mm. to say you know a one championship or a bellator man they would easily pay him 50% more than that easily i'm saying true actually that's true you know because that's what uh, you know which we are coming up in our next segment the mma face off we're going to be talking about uh, one of the one of the most what i in my personal opinion one of the greatest fighters ever to live in this generation apart from anderson the spider silva is demetrius mighty mouse johnson do you know uh, somesh till his last fight in the ufc he was unbeaten from 2011 right from 2011 unbeaten defended that belt 10 times in one of the most stacked divisions in the ufc and and he lost to the to the former uh two division title holder henry sehudo by by a loss and that is the only loss he's had in his in the last 10 years in the last decade and that too by decision he wasn't knocked out anything but when he went on he went as a free, free agent in the market 
promotions like Bellator, everybody offered him. But you're right. I think one FC must have given him a fat check, and he is a super top tier fighter, which raises their stock. What happened with Mighty Mouse Johnson? I feel is very sad because in the hundred and twenty five pound category, I felt at that point of time, maybe Dana White was looking to scrap this entire category. You know, yeah, I, I felt that you know. You know, at that point of time, when Mighty Mouse was running through all the competition, all the fighters that were given to him, you know, Dana White was pretty much like, you know, there's nothing more to do here. It's not getting me money. It's not a big draw for me. You know, if we have a champion in the 125 pound category and a nice guy like Mighty Mouse Johnson, you know, who doesn't really create, uh, you know, controversy. He doesn't talk smack. He, you know, he doesn't do any But of that. Then on the same Now, hand, Sumesh. A lot of people, a lot of people use that against him. He was such a nice guy that he did not become very easily exactly. marketable. Exactly. Yeah, and well, I think that was also a huge part of promotion. Well, you know, honestly, uh, if the viewers want to see a complete contrast in marketing, I think they should look at One FC promotions and UFC promotions because the UFC is all about controversies and. You know, talking smack and you know building the fighters up, and yeah. one you know you know one FC is you know very very Singaporean in their approach. You know, like very you know, Asian. You know, they want to promote martial arts as respect. You know, they want to promote martial arts as you know that you know the people here have etiquettes. You know, they have families, right. and you know, and they're good people. You know, we don't have criminals with us. You know, we don't advertise all the right, arrests right. and the bar brawls, especially and all of the that. felonies on the road. Like absolutely, throwing a dolly Ab through a window of a absolutely. bus. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, but you know, but so much. See, that's I think that is also it's also market specific. Look at the market that the UFC markets to, and look at the market that One FC markets to. It is. You remember spans in pride. Nobody cared if you won or lost. The fact right. that you came out and put on a show was more than enough for their money. And and in and in North America, fans will destroy you if you make a small mistake or you lose. I mean, since when did losing become a crime? And you lost once, and they're calling you washed up. You lose once, and they call you loser. I mean, I, that, that is. I think that is a different. That's a different story. We must. We must do a. You know, one of our other segments. We're going to do a whole segment on why MMA fans are not the most liked fans in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, imagine John Jones has moved his weight category, and you know, and they're calling him scared. It's it's I mean, <laughs> it's stupid. I mean, if you're going to call John Jones, who is an undefeated behemoth of a monster killer, scared, then I don't know what to say. But that we're going to save for a whole new segment another day. But guys, stay tuned as we go into round number three with the MMA face-off between Team Chips and Team Camera for the next week's upcoming fight. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Fighting Goat only on IBM Podcast Network. Guys, we welcome to the MMA face-off segment. This is a segment where Team Chips and takes on Team Camera with our predictions and see who wins for a chance to beat one another up. So far, Team Chips has beaten Sumesh Camera and Team nobody Kamra wants to know twice, and I've already punched him twice. And uh, we, by, by the way, bro, uh, Cyrus Brocha has to still catch us huh, for our shot from no. last week. And the worst is again we lost. This again we draw again this week. And Cyrus, does he get a chance to hit us? No, no. 
you know what? I'm just I'm just going to change that bet, and it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I don't think he's interested in hitting us, dude. I mean, come no, on. One second, he's very interested in hitting us. He's very interested. You know what? See, we you know we both went wrong with the Israel Adesanya Yan Blakovich fight, huh. and uh, we again are on the losing end for the fight uh, with Francis Ngannou and Stipe Miocic. So honestly. As the bet goes, Cyrus uh, doesn't get to only punch us, but he but he gets to give us a liver shot each. No, you know what? You, I think we need to change the narrative. Why don't we go all Nick and Nate Diaz on him? Where you at, Cyrus? Taking everything I worked for. <laughs> you know, you know, he'll be like, "I didn't listen, yar. I'm 49 years old, yar. I've passed my prime now. You know, so don't talk shit with me. You both." Uh, and I live in South Bombay, very far from you. Correct, correct. He's not going to come to Kurla, Malad, Gandhivili. Maybe he doesn't go to the rickshaw. What will he say? He'll go to the rickshaw. He'll not go to the rickshaw. He'll go. But okay, guys, quickly. We are running short on time, my friend. And it is deciding time. Mighty Mouse Johnson on April 7th will take on the champion of the one flyweight title. That is Adriano Moraes. It's going to be a great fight. If you don't know these guys, Google them because you're in for a war. Team Kamra, what are your picks? Uh, well, flyweight division, 125 pounds. The most dominant champion ever in the UFC, Dimitris Mighty Mouse Johnson versus Adriano Moraes. Man, chips, what a clash this is going to be. I think yeah. after a very long time, you know, Mighty Mouse Johnson is going to come out in the blue corner. That's true. No, but he's been coming you know, out of the blue corner. Well, he's he's now three and zero in one, and uh, I don't know what corner he came out in. But yes, you're right. He's coming out in the from the blue corner. Man, you know, one of the most dominant guys, and honestly, a great guy. I've had the pleasure to meet him in person. Uh, he was there, in fact, in India, uh, in 2013. When did he? And where was I? Uh, well, when the UFC had signed. Uh, Uh, the broadcasting deal with Sony, it was uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson was here with Rich Franklin. That's cheating, you know that, right? I yeah, mean, like, you I know, have to, so you you have to, bro. We are bros now, yeah. You have to tell <laughs> tell me about such shit. You can't yeah. keep it to yourself and all. You know, yeah, but this happened 2013. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quickly, you quickly, know. tell me what your picks are. Ah. <clears throat> uh, Great fight, but I think the belt is going to change hands. I'm a huge Mighty Mouse fan, Whoa. and I think it's going to be a new flyweight champion of the world in one championship. I think Dimitris Mighty Mouse Johnson beats Adriano Moraes. Yep, I agree as well. Team Chips also goes with uh, um, with with the with Mighty Mouse Dimitris Johnson. He is a stud. He is one of the most innovative strikers and uh, grapplers. He knows. the definition of chained fighting which means chaining your strikes with your grapples and your wrestling and he is somebody who can do that so perfectly i saw him slam somebody and before the guy landed on the ground he was he had him in an armbar at the end of round 5 i mean oh man that was how crazy how do you do that how do you do that i mean that is just something innovatively creative but so that being said team man, chips this, and team camera this Kamra, guy's fight iq is Is this guy's fight IQ is through the roof? I mean, you know, people cannot miss out on this one. They have to tune in. The gentleman, Mighty Mouse Johnson, has a pancreation background, you know, and he is so humble. But once the cage doors close, 
Oh man, he's, he's a different gonna, beast. He's gonna you know, he's, once that cage door closes. You know, you know, he's called Mighty Mouse for a reason. <laughs> he's he's tiny, but believe me, you will never nobody in that division wants to screw with him ever. But that man. being said, guys, catch us next week, and do not forget to follow us on our social media handles. For Instagram, I'm Arjun underscore Chipalkati. For Twitter, I'm at Mystic Chipal. Somesh, go. Well, you can follow me on Instagram, somesh.kamra. And on Twitter, it's somesh underscore kamra. Guys, please, please, please be a part of this. Tell us what your predictions are. Hashtag us. Tag us. The Fighting Goat. Tag the IVM podcast. And hashtag the face off. One lucky winner is going to get a very cool gift from our side. So guys, mm, what are you waiting for? Come on guys, you must talk to us. You must tell us. We make all these predictions and stuff. And if we're wrong, we want to hear from our fans. We want to hear from the critics. We want to hear from anybody. Basically, talk to us. And don't forget to, talk, uh, to tag at IBM Podcast in your comments. So guys, check us out for all our episodes on ibmpodcast.com. This is Arjun Mystic Chips and Somei Superhuman Camera saying, have a fighting day. Arjun, before before leaving, we have a very exciting guest coming with us next week. Oh, he yes. is one of India's top MMA fighters who is here to speak to us, who is here to interact with his fans and... Let's call him the knockout artist. So guys, stay tuned to the mm. fighting goat next week with Arjun the Mystic Chipalkati and me Somesh Superhuman Kamra. So until next time, be safe, take care of yourself. Tune into IVM podcast, tag us, hashtag us, talk to us, love, laugh and share. Till then, signing off from me and signing off for my friend Arjun Chipalkati. Always keep fighting baby.